Hello and welcome to the Lost Hour Podcast. I'm Gar and I'm here with Helmet. How are you doing? This week we're trying something a little bit new. I know we say this all the time. This is new. This is very experimental. This is almost a game. Yeah. Is what this is. <laughs> yeah. This is like five... Music chess. Five degrees of Kevin Bacon meets chess meets guess who uh, meets just general rabbit holing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, rabbit uh, holing would be a savage type of sex, wouldn't it? It rabbit depends holding. on you into getting rabbit hold. <laughs> it does sound like it, doesn't it? it does sound like it. You just start dropping that in and, and have people go, Yo, I know what that is. We should start just saying that all the time. Yeah, it's like, oh man, it was rabbit holding this fucking. And then see who goes, What are you talking about? Or some people go, see, Some people go, Oh, mean? yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, guaranteed, guaranteed loads of people like, Oh, rabbit holding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Done that last year when it was on my holidays in Berlin. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a weird girl, but she goes to a different skill, exactly. <laughs> she goes to skill. Hang on, I'm 40. Yeah, yeah, hang on, yeah. Hang Can't on. use that excuse. It was, it was only summer holidays. What type what? of school? Is <laughs> so it, anyway, a, we're is doing, it a tech? <laughs> we're doing a magical journey. Yeah. So I decided to come up with an idea. and We've kind of had this idea between us, I think. We talked about it. It was you. You are the one who lets push things forward. The streets job on this. Yeah. Your, uh, but we both we both kind of narrowed down to what it should be. Yes. So I, I wanted an, an idea that I picked a song or Gar picks a song. And then he has to pick a song that relates to that in some way. Um, and then we just kind of bloomed from there. Yeah. Snowball from there. And, uh, but it went down, it took a weird evolution, I think, halfway through where we tried to stump each other a little bit. I didn't, I wasn't going to try that until I, you started yeah, it. Yeah. I, I straight up absolutely 100% agree. I'm the one who started the stumping. The stumping. Because when I started looking at, looking at like where it was recorded, who was involved, was there, you know, anybody weird involved in the recording, all this kind of malarkey. Yeah. And for, realistically, using some, like using the tools like Wikipedia, and little documentaries and just general articles online, you could link any song ever made back to like the Easter Bunny. Like you, you pick yeah. anything on earth, anything on earth. Not as easy as movies, but this yeah. way. But well, maybe not. Maybe easier. I don't, I don't know. Because because there's such a large kind of production crew yeah. involved in making albums. But you see, my problem is when you start telling me you're going to stop me, I start to come up with stupid links. Yeah, yeah, that's now, we, but stupid, not 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 interesting ones. Well, I think they're interesting, but stuff that you would never get. Yeah, Never that, get. That, listen, let's just do it, and I think you'll start, you'll begin to understand. So, you... We're going to be calling bullshit on each other all the time. Well, none, none of this is bullshit. This <laughs> no, is like, all, I mean, like, that's a stupid yeah, thing. Yeah, that's an absolute stupid thing to go to. to, go to. Well, well, okay. I, I absolutely agree. Okay. So, you got first, first dibs yeah, on so the I, first I, I, like, this was kind of mad, because I know this is the first time I picked a song that wasn't for a theme of a yeah, podcast. just so a I random picked, song. So, I just thought, like, what is the beginning? And so, I said, Grant, the beginning is the end, it's the beginning by Smash Pumpkins. Yeah. Which is the song from um, Batman and Robin. No, it's actually sort of... It's just a remix. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind a, of a remix. A reworking. Yeah. Because on the Batman sound, on the Batman Robin soundtrack, it starts with the end is the beginning, yeah. is the end, which yeah. is an amazing rock version of this, what oh, you're listening to now. Um, it actually won a Grammy. I it's think. Ama- I think it's the best Batman song, I'm going to call it. I also think it's one of the best, best smashing ba- it's, songs. It's, it's the best one next to uh, Homie, Trill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Which is, you yeah, could do a fucking top. podcast on Batman yeah. songs, really. But... Um, this is also the fourth song they released after Melancholy, mm. and it's absolutely brilliant yeah, song. It's outrageous, so, yeah. But this, that one wasn't on it on Spotify. But this one is. This is the kind of reworking of it, and mm. it kind of is the, it's kind of like the inverted version. So it's much slower, and it's it's got a different name. The beginning is That's the, the same lyrics, yeah, same, yeah, same, same feel to it, yeah. same chords and all that. But yeah, so I just went. That'll be a good place to start. The beginning is the end, and that's really so. How I decided to work this, you you picked for who did you pick to connect this? I connected it. I don't know whether I should tell you who I connected it to or just walk through. No, dude, no, but I was going to say, name the song is all I'm saying. Okay, right. So I connected it to You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses. Right, now hit me with that. Okay. Hit me with now. that. Because I don't, I actually don't, do not know. Right. I was thinking maybe a producer or something. No, it's, it's actually, it's much more direct than that. So, okay, Smashing Pumpkins. Darcy Retsky, who was fucking yeah. bassist in uh, Pumpkins at the, at the beginning for a long, long time, had an affair with Richard Patrick, who at the time was in Nine Inch Nails. Right. Right? Now. That's not your man from Filter, is it? Yes. Oh, Robert Patrick's brother. Yes. Right, yeah. Right, now, that's not even the connection. Really. That's only part of the connection. This song, these two songs could be connected in two ways. One is that Darcy was having, yeah, Darcy was having an affair with Richard Patrick from Nine Inch Nails. Right? Richard Patrick's brother is Robert Patrick, who was T-1000 from Terminator 2. Yeah. Okay, now, this song, You Could Be Mine, was the theme song from Terminator 2. Uh, we should probably yeah. clear that out, okay? About that. Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the video, the music video, yeah. MTV video, all this kind of shit. Banger as well. It's a, it's a killer song. One of my favourite 
yeah. so- songs by them as well. But so you've got that connection. So you've got the man she was having an affair with, who was in Nine Inch Nails at the time. And one of Nine Inch Nails was in Guns N' Roses. At uh, one stage. Robert Fink. No. He went on to form Filter. He formed Filter while uh, Trent Reznor was recording the Downward Spiral. He turned around with all the bands because um, he wrote all the music and recorded it himself. Mm. The, the band, Nine Inch Nails, the band were just for live purpose. They are just live, yeah. So off he went and uh, formed Filter, done particularly well out of it. Now, just as he was doing this, apparently, the theme song for Terminator 2 was supposed to be Head Like a Hole. Well, because right. there was, was a bit where the T-1000 has a head like a hole, like a hole. when he gets shot with the grenade launcher now the apparently this was it, was it was Robert Patrick the T-1000 he was pushing for this and he was after getting all the meetings down and it looked like it was going to happen yeah, him and his brother are real tight yeah. he's a mad fan of his exactly. music and stuff so apparently while all this was happening it was looking like Nine Inch Nails are going to be providing Amazing. the fucking thing now a couple of years later Filter put out the uh, EP Sharpus that had the song uh, Hey Man Night Shot, which is all, it's nearly a lift of head like a hole. There's elements that are yeah, very, yeah. very close to it. But apparently, Geffen stepped in with millions and said, listen, it has to be this, this uh, Guns N' Roses song for Terminator 2. Like, it's, we'll make the band available for videos. You know, Guns N' Roses are a bit easier to deal with than fucking Trent Reznor at the moment. This is when, <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, Geffen stepped in through millions at it that they, they used for fucking marketing because you have to remember the original Terminator while it was a big film after Terminator 2 was more of a kind of schlocky fucking sci-fi B-movie at the start like, you know yeah I mean? it wasn't huge at the start Mm-mm. it wasn't really at all so you've got two connections you've got the connection that she was having an affair with one of the guys from Nine Inch Nails um, Nine Inch Nails were supposed to put a song onto the fucking uh, onto the soundtrack which was replaced by Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine. And the other one is, is that the fella she was having the affair with, her brother was T-1000. Crazy. So there's a, there's, there is how I got to You Could Be Mine. Yeah. From Smash Pumpkins. Now, that is by far and away the best one I have. Really? <laughs> the rest of them go wild, lad. <laughs> See, wild. I started to go, I, I kind of started off, I think both of us started off kind of a bit, but more, more of the fact that we chatted about what songs we were adding, I was like, he's going to try and fuck mm. me on this. And I'm, I'm not going to try and fuck him on it, but I'll, I'll definitely add some spicy ones, yeah. Okay, so, so how did you get from Guns N' Roses to who? The Everly Brothers. The Everly Brothers. Little Hollywood Girl. Yeah. Now, this, a lot of people will know this already. Because this is an easy one. This song, so, actually, I listened to today, it's mad weird. It's like giving out about producers and the record labels. It's about like the, the exploitation of young people yeah. coming to Hollywood. Mm. But the reason I picked this song really is because it's about a little Hollywood girl. And it's about Don Everly, one of the Everly brothers, obviously, yeah. his daughter, who was very briefly married to Axl Rose. For real? Yeah. So they were had a really horrible, toxic relationship mm. like early on. And he showed up at her, Axl Rose showed up at like her house at like 4 a.m., he proposed to her by threatening to kill himself in her car there and then if she didn't agree to marry him that day. Jesus. So they did get married that day and it was an old soon after that because he was an abusive husband. Yeah. I didn't know a lot about this until I started looking into it and I didn't, it's kind of very disappointing. Now a lot of people will go, how did you not know he was an arsehole? I'm like, mm, he was an arsehole, but didn't know he was a uh, mop boxing. Mm. That's not on. He's not, he was physically abusing her. Yeah. And, um, the band Great White, who they were touring at the time, apparently got a recording of him attacking her behind the door or something mm. like that and used it as a sample on one of their records mm. on, the one, on the album Psycho City. So he also had um, a brief marriage to Stephanie Seymour mm. and Erin Everly was called in that court case where she was saying in court she was abused as well. And uh, by Axel Rose, both of them were settled out of court. But a funny story about not funny story after that. <laughs> I, I doubt it's changing funny. the tone I quickly doubt after it's funny. that. Um, while Axel Rose was with uh, Aaron Everly, son, son, daughter of, mm. of Don of Don Everly, uh, she met David Bowie in Slash's gaff. Okay, because Slash's ma used to do David Bowie's wardrobe. That's right. That's right. I read that. So they all went to a gig together, a Guns N' Roses gig, mm-hmm. and uh, David Bowie was in the front row like that. Mm-hmm. And Axl Rose starts laying into David Bowie from the stage because really? apparently he goes, "You're like you're cracking onto my ma." 
Really? Yeah. Everybody probably was just by being mm. there, just by being in the room, yeah, yeah. automatically cracking onto that girl. Absolutely. So apparently Dave Bowie stood up and walked out and went, fuck this. I can't believe Dave Bowie went to see Guns N' Roses. Well, just because he went with the Ma, because the Ma is son. Mm, yeah, like, uh, a little invoy. Yeah, exactly. So Ola Hudson is Slash's Ma, and they were very, very tight. Dave Bowie and her were very, very tight. You know? mm. um, so that's the story of how they are related to the Everly Brothers. That's, mm. A lot of people will know that, that he was, was uh, it might have been, I don't know if he was married to Stephanie Seymour, actually. So he was definitely his first wife was was Aaron Everly. He's had a couple of wives, hasn't he? I think maybe that's the second one. I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, it's disappointing to find out he was such a scumbag back then. I think he's a not, general scumbag. Yeah, to be honest yeah, with you, I always yeah. felt like that. I've never heard amazing stories. I've never heard them. Sound is to be fair, except the book I had one on the. But that's not a good story. It's a funny story. Yeah. Anyway, that's my Aaron Everly. This could be a short podcast. Oh, we could fly through this. Okay, right. So, I went from the Everly Brothers to a, a singer called Lindsay DePaul. Right? Yeah, I could not get that. Like yeah, that. now, Lindsay DePaul was famous for having uh, the first ever self-written female number one in the UK charts. Well, wow. In like 1977 or something like that. Eurovision is coming to mind. Yes. In the Eurovision. Yes, she was an entrant in the Eurovision and that's kind of how we get there. All right, right, so, right. Okay, 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 okay. So the Everly, Everly Brothers broke up and got together again a couple of times on and off. And they put out a bunch of solo records each. And they were doing albums like Cliff Richard, Paul McCartney, Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits, loads of that stuff. Um, but they, their final recording... Um, before one of the lads, I think I can't remember which one died in 2014. Phil, Phil Everly, Phil Everly died in 2014. But the final recording together as a duo was a song called "Cold," and it was for an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Right, and the musical was called "Whistle Down the Wind." Whistle down the wind. Right. When the when the doubly blows. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So whistle down the wind, the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Now, long time Andrew Lloyd Webber. Co-writer, co-producer was Tim Rice. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Famously, fucking, they had a big famous blowout a couple of years ago where they absolutely. I used to get Tim Rice and Tim Curry mixed up all the time. Curry Rice, all the time, all the time. It's like Penny was the clowns writing songs. That's actually what I thought. <laughs> yeah, because um, he's in. He's, he's, he's in also him. a musician to a degree as well. Yeah, exactly. Been in loads of musicals, but so Tim Rice was the guy that for some reason I kind of got interested with. So I started digging. Now, I, ha- I have to admit that I didn't just pull Lindsay DePaul out of my arse. It wasn't a thing. Be some girl, she was a I tall start, girl. I know. But I just I just started digging. And I was digging at the Everly Brothers and I was exploring every link I could find down an absolute wiki fucking hellhole. Yeah. So, I started reading about Tim Rice. So, Tim Rice wrote a load of songs for Freddie Mercury for his solo album, Bar- Barcelona. Right, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Now, he's a known producer as well, but he's mostly used as a songwriter. He wrote a song called The Fallen Priest, and he wrote a song called The Golden Boy for uh, Barcelona, for Freddie Mercury. Right. Now, the producer on that album is a guy called Mick Moran. Mick's spelt weird as well, M-I-K, Mick Moran. Sounds like a Swedish spelling of it. Yeah, and he is the guy who wrote the song uh, Rock Bottom that entered into the Eurovision for Lindsay DePaul. Right. So that's how I got there. I didn't want to pick Rock Bottom because it's not a good song. Right. But that this song, is, Sugar, yeah. is very good. It is. I did have to turn it off because it goes on a bit. It's a bit long. Like. It's a bit long. And yeah. I wouldn't mind. She like The chorus. She's got a weird voice, hasn't she? She has. Yeah. Well, she didn't. I don't think. I, I was reading about this song because I yeah. had to for the next bit. Yeah, yeah. She didn't want to sing this song. Yeah, yeah. She was just a writer, but she was kind of far sent. And she, that's why she has a weird voice. Yeah. She was skeptical about her own voice. More than like the Jimi Hendrix job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, um, yeah, that's how I got from the Everly Brothers to Lindsay DePaul. And like that, now that's stretchy as fuck that one. Yeah. That's literally, I'll tell you exactly. Here's how I start trying to put these connections together. I looked at the band that you had given me. And then I looked at the band that eventually I got to. And in my head, I wanted to be able to turn around to Lindsay DePaul and say, listen, can you get me a phone number for one of the Everly Brothers? 
would she be able to like talk to this oh, fella right, talk right. to that person yeah. you'd know them like Hollywood connections yes yeah. that's the way I looked at it I couldn't have like and they were born, like that person was born in Australia and also born in Australia oh you're just, not going to like someone <laughs> mine oh no well no I, yeah. I wanted to have that's like, a thread you see I was worried because I didn't want to ask you how you were doing yeah, it yeah yeah because I wanted to keep it a bit fresh and I wanted to keep it yeah. sort of very now th- th- there's a couple of sceptical ones there now in my mix but yeah. that's the way I looked upon it is that listen if I turned around to Lindsay DePaul I don't even know if she's still alive. But if I said, Lindsay, can you get me like the not dead Everly Brothers phone number? <laughs> you know what I mean? Quite possibly. It might take her a week, but I reckon she could get it from me. Yeah, that, I listened to that song and it's like, the verses are so short and the choruses are so long that it starts to grate on you. Yeah. Give me care. Another thing I noticed about this song, Sugar, well, Sugar, Sugar, Walls, Sugar, yeah. Sugar. Um, is that it has that, creepy feel to it oh, yeah. because all those songs back then had to put sexual innuendo in a kind of pigs in a blanket kind of mm. job they had to make an innuendo inside an innuendo yes but it's it the only way up, they got away with but it. the problem is now that we're so used to hearing like smash me this way yeah. up the arse put things in yeah. my face and in my ear my lovely lady lump, that, that when tumps. you when you hear this now it kind of sounds creepy yeah and a lot of the songs that are hidden in innuendo from the 60s and 70s you're like they, yeah. they bring it back to a sort of Childlike yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of state, playground. Yeah, yeah, so absolute so playground. In, in their way to make it hidden, they put a kind of childlike yeah. veneer on it. Oh yeah. And now when you listen to that back, now it's it's really creepy. Of course, it's, I kiss you where the blanket goes. Blanket <laughs> yes, goes. Yes, blanket yes, goes. Fuck. Kiss you where the blanket goes. That yeah. it's just I found that kind of yeah. When I was listening to that song, now it is still a good song. It's great. Like I said, it is a bit long, but yeah. it, was the, it was the best I could find from El Lindsay. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Well, it was probably, well, maybe it was written for the Eurovision, where it's only going to get two minutes or something well, like that, that. I think <laughs> that that uh, that song there, I think, was the the first number one. That was written for someone, and I can't think of who yeah. it was, because I, I, I had to research some of your research yes, yeah. in it. But it's because it was the first ever female yeah. written number one, it's kind of important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? No, it is. And I, I was going to... Well, I don't know if we're moving on. that with our fucking song, but yeah, let's move on to the next well, one. Well, I picked, um, yeah, so true that, I didn't want to pick, she, like, she was never married or anything like that, but she had some really high profile sort of... Uh, Lindsay did? Yeah. Fucking, with some, was with, she a whore master? No, well, no. Like, she just wasn't married. And I did, instead of deciding to not, or to go through one of the people who she'd been with, mm-hmm. that's a stupid fucking way to pick a next song. I was Maybe. like, oh, what's she famous for? I was sleeping oh, with that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I moved on through... Morrissey, let me kiss you. Yeah. So Nancy Sinatra covered "Sugar Me." Yeah. In 1998, on her album, how does it feel? And I started to read up more about Nancy Sinatra again since I, I'd been talking about her in the last one. She obviously only did covers. She yes. didn't really have that many songs written for her. Mm. But this was a song. Morrissey's song was written for Nancy Sinatra, mm. unlike Lindsay DePaul's "Sugar Me." Yeah. So all the real link is before I go into it is that she covered both of these songs. Yeah. Which is well, let's have a look at this song now. This song's quite interesting actually. Marcy wrote this for Nancy Sinatra initially. Marcy is mad into Nancy Sinatra. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He absolutely is. So this was when he had. Remember, he hadn't got a record label yes. just before you were the quarry. He uh, could yeah. not get a record label. Nobody it happened to him a fair few times. Like yeah, it's, it's, stop saying mad shit. Maybe this is even pre mad shit. Yeah, this is actually pre mad shit. He wrote this song and then he gave it to her and she liked it. But what he decided to do was, in the meantime, I think he got a record label and went, I kind of want it now. Give me on, bang so what we'll do is we'll both release it on the same day. Weird. So they did. They released it on 11th of October in 2004. And both versions entered the UK singles chart. So Morrissey's went to number eight. Okay. And hers went to 46. I'm a big fan of this song. Great song. I really, really like yeah, this song. That I really, album, that album is, is great. Anyway. It's a fantastic song, yeah. So while that may not be... Uh, a massive I've a lot of time for Nancy Snatcher tomorrow I read about her she just seems really cool she, she has quotes about her music going listen people write songs for me some of them are hits some of them don't turn out to be hits I don't know whether it's me or I'll pump them out anyway. yeah I'll pump them out anyway yeah. she very, seems very 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 mm. cool um, Marcy's gone a bit mad hasn't he do we have to talk about Marcy again no we don't I'm afraid no we don't I'm afraid I'm going to my second page and see if we have any more on this song yeah, I don't think that's, right. that's, that's all I have on the list that's my, that's my worst one yeah uh, well, that, that's yet to be decided whether that's the worst. Oh, you got the, my connection to the next song. So I took Morrissey, Let Me Kiss You. Yeah. And I connected it to Cool Keith, 1212. <laughs> I didn't even try to look at how you did right. this. Now, 
this was fucking easy. When I saw you put Morrissey in, I went, piece of piss. I fucking, I'm not as good as the other fella when it comes to Morrissey, but I'm solid enough, am I right? Yeah. So, here's what I done. I looked at that album, first of all. I looked through the list of producers um, who was involved, and I went, you know what? That's not my favourite album by Morrissey. I said, I know a little bit more about my favourite album. My favourite album by him is called Years of Refusal. Yeah. Right? Which isn't even on Spotify, is it? Uh, I think it is now. Oh, is it? I think it is now. It is, yeah. Um, So, that's my favourite album because it sounds completely and utterly different to everything else. Yeah, yeah, right? it's mad. Now, the reason it sounds completely and utterly different to everything else is that he used a producer called Jerry Finn. Yeah, his nickname is Hook, I think. Uh, Jerry Hook Finn. And the reason he used Jerry Finn was because Jerry was very famous. As in Huckleberry Finn? Uh, yeah, like H-U-C-K. Hook Finn, right, yeah. So, the reason he was kind of famous and very much in the band is he had worked with bands like Green Day on Dookie and uh, Rancid on Outcome the Wolves. Like, he was just... Oh, right, yeah. Was, you uh, can start, I can start to see how that yeah. really makes sense. He was sense. like the big pop punk kind of punchy guitar tone kind of mm. guy. And I think Moz wanted to make a fucking rock record. Yeah. Because every song on that, even Throwing My Arms Around Paris and all that, like, even though it's kind of wishy-washy, fucking singy-songy, it still has Meandering loads of whack Morrissey. Yeah. It has loads of whack in it. So I think the way this album is recorded is most certainly my favourite recording of Morrissey. So I started looking at it. So, like I said, he got famous. Dookie was like his big fucking thing he got yeah. really famous but he also that's very well produced I he also worked with like Colour Me Bad when he was younger right. and his list of, his list of uh, bands that he was like assistant engineer on their albums goes way back like he is balls deep in fucking yeah. in, in music like he he also done Pennywise Weezer the list goes on and on you name any band from that kind of early to mid 90s that were big yeah. in their respective genres he has to mix drums vocals and yeah. guitar mm. and bass and backing vocals. Okay, no, sorry, let's take it back. I'm slagging pop punk, but I'm not. But I am, but I'm not. But like, it's just the, I don't think it's even about his uh, his technical ability. It's the fact that he was associated with albums that were fucking huge and were like reinvention albums. Do you know what I mean? So like, Dookie, oh and, yeah, Do- right. Dookie is not Green Day's first album. It's like their fucking third, I think. And uh, like, but that's the one that made him big. Like Rancid Outcome of the Wolves is not their first album, but it's the one that it's made the one. Them. Yeah, you could you, 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 you could have told me you could have told me yeah. Ducky was their first album to be honest yeah, with you, yeah. or Outcome of the Wolves, mm. and I would have thought so. No, there's loads. Of, so he also had a bit of a golden touch. Absolutely. So he was taking bands that had been around for a little bit, but just weren't. Living yeah, he didn't want to take green bands into the Some some producers will not the, work with brand, brand new brand new bands. Don't want it. No. Now, one of the bands that he worked with were Body Count. Body Count. He produced the second Body Count album, Born Dead. Born Dead. It's a great name for it. It is, and it's all, it suits it because it's shite. It's a fucking garbage album. Second worst album they ever put out. And it was the one after it could? Yes. That's, isn't Violet that Ice Tea's yeah. fucking yeah. MO? Yeah, one, savage. One, two, shite. Shy. Three, one. savage. Yeah. Four, shite. It's just the way he's always worked. Um, but he was the producer on Born Dead. Now, there's two good songs on the album. Right? It sounds okay. It sounds better than the fucking fourth one. Like the first one sounds like it was recorded in a shed. It's amazing, but it, yeah, yeah, it does sound garbage. It's garbage, like. Which sometimes might work for it, maybe. I don't yeah, know. exactly. Well, they were trying to go for that kind of suicidal tendencies type yeah. of feel, I think. But uh, Ice T, who was the front man for Body Count, also has, I think we might have even mentioned him on this uh, podcast before, he has a group called the Analog Brothers. Yeah, we did mention them. With Kool- you mentioned them, yeah. With Cool Keith. Cool Keith. So Ice T and Cool Keith, and there's a DJ that his name escapes me. And that is the Analog Brothers. So that is how I got from Morrissey to Cool Keith, 1212. And that song is actually, uh, that 1212, it's not even the original 12. It's off a, a weird remix. I think that's some radio DJ done. Right. It's called Space Tapes. The cover is the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. When you click, folks, when you listen to this, uh, when you listen to the playlist, click on the song and get the cover up for this. It's fucking amazing. But it's not really an official thing. It's like a, it's almost like a best of Cool Keith, but it's just some fella with like a synthesizer adding like space noises, pew 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 pew, <laughs> and stuff like that, like, like shooting star noises and UFO noises and shit like that. So the whole album is riddled with that, and they kind of kind of like really badly mix into each other. Yeah. So it's like the first one of the first examples of actual mixtapes I remember, but it wasn't recorded fresh. He just took a lot of like fucking Cool Keith stuff, a little bit from Mike Cool Keith. Uh, 
research lets me know he had low he was on loads of mixtapes. Yes. And he's mad prolific. Other people have mixed him into their stuff. And we'll touch on that later. But yeah, that's crazy. That's what kind of angle I was gonna go in, but I didn't. Right, so you went from Kill Keith to Kate Bush breathing. Jesus Christ. Alright. Let's take an absolute swerve. Hammer left. I read after we're going off the road here. I read some mad shit about uh, Kate Bush. Really? Some absolute mad shit about Kate Bush this week. Yeah. What way? Like that she's the fucking um what her nickname was as a child and stuff like that. I, re- I know I've watched a few documentaries. She was very musical as a kid, but I don't know. She was mad, she used to write from what I I know, she used to just write like mad like sure. garbage baby songs. Right? Yeah, from like, a young age. Like a ten them a day. Yeah. Like just pumping them out. But she was also like she's apparently like mad into karate. Her brother was a karate instructor. Right. So well, from the age of like being a fucking like very, very young, she was trained in karate. And her nickname was E.E. because she couldn't say Kia. And she had this mad squeaky voice, like mad little baby squeaky voice. So whenever she was doing her fucking katas, like, yeah, yeah, she was like, eh, yeah. eh, eh. <laughs> So everybody used to just call her, eh, eh. That was her nickname as a baby, was eh, eh. Because that was the noise that came over. Anyway. Crying. I also know great, uh, you ever, you've heard the Kate Bush, uh, no, tell me. Birthday party story. The Nick Cave band? No. Oh, just a birthday, actual birthday yeah, party. Yeah. So fucking, I'm in music mode, you see. That's yeah. why I'm... <laughs> so, so one, this is one of the greatest stories of all time. So on, Kate, Bu- Kate Bush didn't put an album out for fucking years. That's right, right yeah. Everyone was like, all the record label... She also, a lot of people didn't know that she did a tour for most <coughs> oh, yeah, of her yeah. life. She did a few gigs early on and then bobs. there was a just real... Any day. Real bad... She hated playing live, but then her lighting guy or one, one of the crew was killed by yeah, a yeah. light. And yeah, from, fell, that, yeah. from that day, she was like, I'm not doing... No, this is not for me. Like music agoraphobia. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's just a, it's a quick little one, but it's a good one. So she lives in some fucking the arsehole of nowhere somewhere, right? And just doesn't really contact anybody, doesn't yeah. answer emails, doesn't answer phone calls. A bit like Enya. Yeah, exactly. I always draw comparisons between Kate Bush and Enya. Yeah. And, um, that live tour and thing is not for some, it's not for some people. Yeah, exactly. It's just a bang it out every yeah. now and again. Here's an album, fuck off. Now, apparently, the record label have been annoying Kate Bush for fucking years, years and years and years. Give us an album. Give us an album. It'll she sell was, no matter what. Exactly. We're hungry. Like, she was under contract to provide them with well, an she album. she was oh, under contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So, fuck it. They were just pushing her all the time, all the time. They couldn't get a hold of her. Couldn't get a hold of her at all. So, one day, the fucking, whatever record label she's on, the phone rings. Uh, it's Kate Bush. She goes, listen, you have to come out. It was the EMI, wasn't it? I can't remember. Yeah. Phone rings, or she gets it, they get a letter. One of the other saying, listen, you have to come out of the house. Be on the house next Friday at uh, four o'clock in the afternoon. A very big fucking thing I want to talk to you about you know yeah. very very important that you're out there so uh, record label fucking hell holy shit I think they might helicopter out and everything like you know contracts and fucking advances Maybe she has an album a double album ready That's to go it. ready to drop exactly she's invented a new style of music again again so, yeah. exactly yeah so record label are super excited they're like oh this is the day we're going to get a new K-Push album we're going to fucking Sorry, get marketing mate. get marketing here marketing you're coming with us to go to fucking K-Push's house Right, fucking so marketing, we've got fucking advertising, we've got whatever sound engineers, all the sleep shit, big horde of record executives and their minions out the Kate Bush's house, rubbing their hands together. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> we, they walk in, <laughs> they walk in, and our butler, whoever the fuck it is, opens the doors to like the main living room, and it's full of balloons, and she's sitting there at a table with a cake in front of her. And they're like, Kate, what's going on? She's it's my birthday. That's it. That's amazing. She just invited them to a birthday party. Data. They thought they were getting a new album and all they got was maybe, if they're lucky, a half a slice of Romantica each. That's it. A bit of, a bit of fucking... Uh, now half Vienna. of v- Vienna and a Vietnamese whirl on the side. Yeah, she invited them out. They thought they were getting an album. I reckon she fucking with them. But there was no one else There was no one else there. It was only the record label. None of our friends or family were there. Jesus, that's so, mad. Because yeah, she is mad. She, She's batshit mad. Yeah, in, 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 in a way that really benefits the rest of the world. Quite possibly. Right, yeah. hit me with your how'd you get the where and who. Right, so let's start with the Kate Bush song. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favourite Kate Bush songs. I absolutely love this song. And it's about nuclear, the fear of nuclear mm-hmm. um, bombs or war and stuff like that. It even has a sample from one of the witnesses mm-hmm. who saw a nuclear bomb explaining what it looks like from the human eye yeah. like, and stuff like that. And, and I love, there's a lot of references to nuclear war and just the fear around it in it. So what the fuck does Kill Keith have to do with it? Nuclear, yeah, I need to know this. Nuclear bombs. Well, I reckon he wishes he lived in one. Now, he did do an album 
with a guy called H-bomb. Okay. Now, that's a hydrogen bomb. It's yeah. not a nuclear bomb. So okay. I couldn't put those links together. Yeah. So the link is actually a US president. Really? So two important things happened on October 7th, 1963. JFK mm-hmm. signed in, ratified a treaty to stop the nuclear nuclear test ban treaty yeah. is what it's called. Yep. And it was also the day that Cookie was born. Ah, that's fucking manky. <laughs> that was manky. No, it's not manky. That's fucking disgraceful. No, no. That's the most fucking right. disgraceful link it was. I've ever it come is. across. It is. So, so. That's that born in Australia also fucking situation. It is. Yeah, situation. well, this was going to happen. So what? Fuck me. That's man. not even the worst thing I did in this podcast. So what I tried to do was, known I would get that response from you, went a bit further. Did you find a good one? I hope so. Okay. No, I didn't. No? Not maybe. Maybe. Yes, maybe. Okay. So, the only direct link I found, and I scoured, scoured the internet, was one site of a guy selling Spankmaster and also a copy yeah. of the Dreaming, punched together for 50 quid. What? <laughs> Spankmaster, the cool yeah, key album, yeah. and the Dreaming by Kate Bush. That's the only thing you could find in the whole internet that linked the two of them together. Except one little thing. Yeah. Other little thing. Someone, He's her son. So that'd be well. That'd be fucking brilliant <laughs> if I could do that. Now maybe you see, Keith Bush. Well, hang on. JFK died. That, JFK has nothing to do with this conversation. He though. is because he died a month before he ratified this treaty, and then Kilkey was born. So maybe he is JFK. He's absolutely not. Have no, you ever no. met Kilkey? Yeah, I've met him. Yeah, no, I only hang out with Coolio, not Kilkey. Oh, okay, all right. Coolio, yeah. not. Yeah. Now listen. All I found was after this going balls. I'm about to fucking this up now. And I've already picked the song. And you'd already They're start... They're both mad at the women, I'll tell you that much. You'd already started your research on the next one. So I was like, right. So I did find... Now, everyone knows the massive links between Pink Floyd and Kate Bush. Um, Kate Bush has a lot of songs with... Uh, the, the One of the... Not Roger Waters, do you? David Gilmore. Gil- Gilmore. Yeah, and he would have played on loads of stuff yeah. and helped write and stuff like that. So there That's is what there is a great link with Pink would, Floyd. That, he had to have played on an album with someone that was put out by a record label. No, somewhere associated no, someone with randomly decided to take all of Pink Floyd's music and make a mixtape with Cool Keith over Pink Floyd. Oh, and that's the good link because I listened that's a to good it. One. I listened to it and I was like, "That's really good." I bet you it is. It's it's obviously not an official release, so I couldn't put not that on the thing. Way, no. So I'll send it to you. I'll yeah. send it to you. I didn't want to send it to you before this, mm. so we even know. But I listened to it and someone went. Two of my favourite artists are Pink Floyd and Cool Keith. And I'd love to hear... It's like when they did that, the Black Album, instead of the White Album. Remember, they took the White Album's music, yeah. the Beatles, and they put mm-hmm. Jay-Z from the Black mm-hmm. Album's voiceover. It's kind of... Or is it the Grey Album? Is that what it's called, maybe? There was, there was a bunch the of... The Grey albums. Album, that's what it's called, yeah. There, there was, was one of them. So there was I a found album it. called uh, uh, American Edit by a guy called Dean Grey. Really? And he took that uh, American Idiot album by Green Day. Green Day? <laughs> Green Day. Green Day? Green Day? Um, he took the American Idiot album and just got all the vocals. I don't know how he done it, but he got all the vocals and a lot of the riffs, and he just mixed them together with like the Doctor Who theme song, Gary Glitter songs, fucking you name it. Like that is a manky thing. I just more I think about it, it's manky. Well, that but, last but, one. Yeah, no, solid. I had to. I knew it was shit. Yeah. I was like, fuck, no, I can't leave it at that. So I dug. And that I'm, was so a solid one. The good thing I found was that little. I think it's on like SoundCloud or something. Like oh, of course it is. Yeah, and it's actually it's not perfect, but it's actually an enjoyable listen. Mm. I think it's called. I think it's just called. Pink Floyd and Kilkeet. There's no actual real no, no, clever name to do it. Someone fucking around at home banging that together. That's fine. That's perfectly So I'll, I'll let that be yeah. the, 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 the that can be um, yeah on this. So where did you get where did you go from <coughs> from cool from uh, Kate Bush? Okay, I went from Cape Cape Bush to a band called the Cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now you put me down a real hole. Oh, this was my you, stump barley. You snookered me with this, as in the yeah. black ball was stuck behind yeah. your ball and I this, didn't know This is grim, right? This connection. Okay, so Kate Bush. <laughs> I was reading about Kate Bush, and she put out a box set a couple of years ago, right? Of like, I don't know whether it was all of her albums or a selection of albums or whatever, and she remastered it, re-edited yeah, that's the right, yeah. But there was a little kind of double asterisk at the bottom of the article, and it just said uh, these releases have had um, all uh, all musical editions by Ralph Harris removed. I was like, what? So I went looking. So Ralph Harris played didgeridoo on a couple of songs for her. Uh, what? The, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, do you need a didgeridoo? And yeah. she's like, yes. So he he played a didgeridoo on a, yes. on an album called Ariel from two thousand and five. Ariel's a great album. Yeah, but he also done vocals 
as well. I did not know this. Yeah, he done uh, vocals on a song. And I can guess why it was uh, taken off yeah. for the remaster. Yeah, so uh, he done vocals on a song called The Architect's Dream and a song called The Painter... Architect's Dream's good, yeah. Uh, the Painter Link or, so, or The Painter's Link, something like that. I, I do like that album. That's, that has, the, that has uh, How to Become Invisible on it, which is yes. an absolute yeah. banger. That's a great, I was gonna, I was that, was her, that was her comeback yeah. album and it was the, great. So... Yeah. Uh, on the re- the remastered, re-edited version of the box set, whatever, I think she got her son Bartholomew or whatever his name is yeah. to do the vocal parts. That's but why she went uh, off albums for a long time. She had a kid. Oh yeah, and she yeah. just wanted to be a mother, wanted to be and not and not be missing in the studio and the all time. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Because Ralph Har- Ralph Harris was a uh, Ralph Horace. I know. She should have changed the name R- Ralph Horace, and then she wouldn't have taken Ra- any of the music. Ralph off. Horace. He should yeah. have changed his name to him. Nobody would have ever found him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's a pedo. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. And, uh, it, I can't remember the extent of his pedosity, but oh, it's it pretty, pretty. It's pretty grim. Is it? yeah, well, yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's all bad. Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. No good pedo. But I remember. Uh, I remember when all that shit was happening. I think. <laughs> it's kind of funny story. <sighs> about <laughs> when all that was coming about Ralph Harris. Because he was around BBC all the time. Mm-hmm. Poor old Paul Daniels thought he was about to get me to it. Really? So he me to himself. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I remember. I but remember. it was literally not. But yeah. poor fucker, like, he was like, I remember I dropped uh, a, a young girl home from the BBC. I think uh, I, my hand might have touched her. Like, I can't yeah, remember yeah, when she was leaving the car. Now, that's what he says to get himself out of trouble. Doesn't matter, he's dead now. That, that was the sacrificial But land. I just remember around that time when the Ralph Harris thing, like poor old fucking Paul Daniels coming and going, right, let me do this. I'm beating someone else to it because yeah. it could be made worse or made. Because you know, they were know, all. I don't know. They were dropping like flies. It was, BB, it was fucking BBC, man. Yeah, exactly. Just a pedo ring. It doesn't have a great name for itself now. Although BBC, they don't seem to be hit too hard, boy. No, not too much. So Ralph Harris. Ralph Harris had a massive hit with the song "Toy Me Kangaroo Down." Yeah, you remember K- that kangaroo being a young. Human. Well, apparently this song, uh, interesting, interestingly enough, he had this song, not necessarily commissioned, but he heard the song by uh, a little two-piece in a small town in Australia. And he said, fucking, let me sing it's this song. It's the most Australian song that's ever happened. Ever happened. Toy Me Kangaroo Down. Yeah, there's some dodgy racist lyrics in it. We, we won't get into that, but it's real dodgy shit. Yeah. But um, he said to them, listen, you know. Imagine being racist in Australia. In. Yeah, exactly. Like, Imagine being right. Imagine stupid. Like it's stupid to be racist anywhere. Yeah. But how stupid yeah. to be racist in Australia? Yeah. Like if you're white over there and you think that this is your country, like, yeah. get the full fuck off. Get the actual fuck. You sap. Um, you're he over. offered this. Um, he. Oh, he's joking. We have uh, two fans. In a, we had two fans. In yeah. <laughs> um, he offered this little two-piece band like royalties, and they were like, "Nah, nah just give us like two hundred dollars." So he gave him two hundred quid. And took the song, and it was fucking huge. That's like the story when someone takes, like, I remember when Star Wars came out, yep. they had a chance to take a small mm. little thing or a cut of the things. Oh, yep. merch and everything. Oh. A lot of them did, to be fair. A lot of them did, yeah. Um, now, Time of Kangaroo Down in the year 2000 was covered by the kids' television group, The Wiggles. Yes, I'm very familiar with The Wiggles. Right. Now, this is 20 years ago. I still wasn't. Did they change the lyrics? Oh, probably, <laughs> probably. Um, but the Wiggles were huge. They were. Uh, was it? Well, I can't remember the lyrics. What was it like? Tie that about to the yes, tree. Yeah. That shit. Yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not that bad. It's like let me abos go or something like that. Like is included in the Ralph Harris one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Something weird. I don't. I don't know. Something yeah, grim. Something yeah. grim. Anyway. Um. So it's covered with the Wiggles. So I think I'm stumped at this stage. I'm like, fucking the Wiggles. Like, how have I ended up on the Wiggles from yeah. Kate Bush? Well, you think it's hard to get it, get there? Yeah. We'll tell you how fucking hard it was to get out there. So we go rooting. <laughs> and two <laughs> members of the Wiggles were actually in a legitimate band yeah, in they Australia. Yeah, pretty big in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Called The Cockroaches. And that's who I settled on. They were considered to be like a pub rock band in Australia. Yeah. But uh, the rest of the world kind of thought they were just like a generic kind of, what would you even call it? It would have been like a... They're a pop kind yeah, of like punk. Yeah, like a poppy rock kind of fucking band. Yeah. Like, like, I don't even know what to compare them to. I don't know which, what type of music it is. It sounds a little bit like uh, the Buzzcocks in some places. It sounds a little yeah. bit like the Kinks Like in some they have places. guitars, but it's just zero edge to it. Yeah, it's just However, songs. compared to the Wiggles, it's fairly hefty. Yeah, it's like fucking deicide compared to the Wiggles. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, 
a guy called Anthony Field and a guy called Jeff Fat, which is a terrible name. God help me. Um, they were uh, in the wing. Oh, just the Fat Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Bear. Wouldn't you just go way bear? But yeah, they were uh, originally members of a, a pretty well-known Australian band called the Cockroaches. So yeah. do you know what? I got to there and I went, "Fuck hell, man!" That's exactly when I knew you were fucking with me. Yeah, and that's where they left it. So that's how I got from Kate Bush yeah. to the Cockroaches. So what now, have at this stage, what have got? at this stage, I've fucking zero knowledge gimme, about the cockroaches. Gimme. I can pretend I know who the cockroaches were at the time. I had to read up that to find you out. You think we were. fucking knew you, mad? So as soon as I clicked into me research to have a look around about the cockroaches, as soon as I saw it, it was the only thing notable about it was the, the wiggles. wiggles. And I was of course, like, yeah. fuck you. That's I knew. You brought back memories of the wiggles for me. Because my two nephews growing up were mad into the wiggles. Yeah. So I had to be exposed to a lot of their music. And it is like I can see why it's big. Yeah. So, Anthony Field of the Cockroaches decides to... Like this is, he decided, I want to write a few kids' songs. It just ballooned yep. out of... Like, the Wiggles were so huge. Mm. And he's massively looked after for yeah. the rest of his life. Big uh, time. I think the Wiggles are on their like, third, second or third uh, incarnation, incarnation yeah, of them. Because yeah. they can't... Well, the Wiggles already looked old as fuck when of they course, came out. But these lads would have been in their fucking 50s and 60s. You yeah. can't be singing kids' songs in that age. But, but I mean? they weren't all the Wiggles from the Cockroaches, no, were they? No, two of them. Two of the original them. Wiggles. Yeah, yeah. The lads who set it up, Because even the other ones they picked look quite old. I always always look at them like my nephews had them on and be like, man, they were old as fuck looking. Yeah, yeah. Except actually your man Anthony Field looks the youngest out of them all. So he is apparently a manic depressive and hates touring and in chronic pain all the time. You have to be fucking dancing dressed up as like an yeah. Italian plumber. Did you ever hear their songs, man? No. I know of the week. Hot potato, hot potato. Is all that type of show? Hot potato, hot potato. And then it goes, potato, 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 potato. It makes Barney sound like fucking Bob Dylan. <laughs> Genuinely, like it's, it's, now it's perfect for kids yeah. for learning words and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it's for. Which is what it's I'm not going to start railing and fucking slagging the shit and you know what I mean? Hashtag so, the Wiggles. It was very hard to get out of this without the Wiggles. It was nigh on impossible, so I had to use the Wiggles. Not knowing that you'd even use the Wiggles, but I had a feeling you might have some. The Wiggles had John Fogarty on mm. one of their Christmas songs. John Fogarty of Creedence Clearwater Revival. The only real interesting... I listened to it and I just got five seconds. I was like, get, get this out of my life. It's terrible. <laughs> it's awful. Santa Rock, I think it's called, or something mm. like that. It's called Rockin', Rockin' Santa. That's <laughs> big. Uh, yeah one thing I did find weird was John Fogarty was said in a couple of interviews he goes those Wiggles lad have chops of course mm-hmm. they do they were in pub band if you're a pub band which is essentially what the Beatles were yes. for years yeah. that muscle memory of course. being amazing at your instrument yeah, is just you see how people are yeah. screaming at you play this song play that song yeah. and you have to bang it out bang it out bang bang it getting bottled and if you sort of remember on the fly yeah. as well just remember the last song yeah. play that A-G-A-B-D-E um, yeah so it was kind of weird to hear John Fogarty of Creedence Clearwater referred to the Wiggles as Chops. very yeah. accomplished musicians yeah. in terms of playing yeah that's the hole you got me down and that's, that's the size of my thing so I picked I picked uh, Fortunate Son which is yeah, Fortunate Son is the song you hear in a Vietnam film where, they're coming, where they're coming in it's the yeah. Vietnam helicopter, in helicopter. In song yeah, yeah. over it's the morning fields yeah. it's a fucking whopper it's, it's incredible it's, it's, an anti, it's an anti-war song I think yeah. it's a guy who doesn't want to get drafted into, into the thing so whopper, um, whopper and, um, song I think Creedence are grand for me they're fine yeah, I, I because I'm not American. A lot of our stuff is very American. Mm. It's, you have to really kind of be. Or from the seventies, it would have been incredible to hear this for the first time. Someone actually uh, in the pub. This song is on the playlist, and an American heard this song the other day and said, "That's the most American song ever written." I was just gonna say, it's so American. It's so fucking American. But it's, it's great. more American than "Born in the USA," which isn't even really American if you think about it. A lot mm-hmm. of people think that is a great anthem for it. It's not. It's about. It's an anti-war song. Another anti-war song, I think. It is. Yep. Uh, Roy, Roy, where did you go from Credence? I done the, the leap, the end all leaps. I went from Credence Clearwater Revival to Stormtroopers of Death. Oh, that's right, yeah. Now, this is a good one. I think this is a good one. So, Credence Clearwater Revival were signed to a record label called Fantasy Records. Now, Fantasy Records went bust in 2018. They're now gone, okay? Now, sure, they've been acquired by somebody along the lines but one of the last signees they took on was Prophets of Rage yeah um, they're only a good for a live experience surely I, I couldn't I'd, I think I'd actually rather climb back and so would you not even go and see them live no for people that don't know Prophets of Rage are a sort of sort of super group of fucking Tom Morello 
from it's basically Rage Against the Machine, Machine Chuck, Cypress Hill and Public Enemy. Chuck D, yeah, a few members. Yeah. Chuck, D, Chuck D from uh, Public Enemy, Be Real from Cypress Hill and all of Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Bar Zach Dealer Rocker, basically. So this is where I went. When I seen Prophets of Rage, I was like, holy shit. So the vo- one of the vocalists for Prophets of Rage is Chuck D from Public Enemy. Public Enemy appeared on the crossover song Bring the Noise with Anthrax. Yes, that's right. Right? It's not, it's not the first crossover song that would be fucking Run DMC and Aerosmith really yeah. really really but it's one of the biggest ones Bring the Noise is actually a public enemy song that yeah. Anthrax just reworked reworked and exactly. I prefer that for, yeah, for I, the Anthrax yeah, one yeah. Like the world does. me too now Stormtroopers of Death is essentially Anthrax just without their singer it's a uh, the, the singer is called Billy Milano so it's Scott Ian, Dan Lilcar, Charlie uh, Benite, and Billy Milano are Stormtroopers of Death. Now, when Stormtroopers of Death, Stormtroopers of Death came out in like fucking 1980 splash, um, they were fucking huge because they were one of the first bands to merge kind of hardcore punk and trash yeah. metal. This is a very influential album. Very. I, know that from, I wasn't mad into it, but because I had to. That also has one of the I shortest songs into ever made. Really? The Ballad of Jimi Hendrix. Like, meh, 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 I'm dead. That's the end of the song. <laughs> they're kind of trolls, aren't they? They're, they're real trolly. Because like, the song you pick, Speak English or Die, yes, is it? It's absolutely tongue in cheek funny. Tongue in cheek racism. It is. Like, outwardly, you look at it and you go, that's mad dodgy, that song. But yeah. like, They've all come out and said, listen, this is tongue-in-cheek. It's about the whole... Uh, Stormtroopers of Death... It's parodying shit. The Stormtroopers uh, of Death is supposed to have like this fucking fake singer. Like the guy you see in the covers. I can't remember his fucking name. The skeleton face and mm. big helmet. He's meant to be like the guy in the band. And he's like a big USA, you know, fucking E-Iron and shit steel type of fucking yeah. type of dude, you know. But that is how I got from Creedence Clearwater Revival to Stormtroopers of Death, Speak English or Die. I went backwards via a record label that closed. That's how I got there. And you called my one bullshit. That's fucking solid. <laughs> That's solid. <laughs> Via record label is always a good out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You picked a fucking date. Oh, we're going to get worse now. Are you? Oh, God. Okay. Right. What have we got? So, Stormtroopers of Death, mm-hmm. the most famous member, Scott Ian, mm-hmm. was in Anthrax. Anthrax is an infection caused by oh, the bacteria. fuck off fuck off fuck hang off hang on first of all I should mention the song I picked is The Cure 100 Years Live in Paris Anthrax is an infection caused by the bacterium Balicus anthracus and it was during the 19th century <laughs> Anthrax was eating all the cows across loads of parts of Europe especially France and stuff like that so France are the first people to step up and go right we need to get rid of this look how angry you are sweating Sweat. Hang on. Remember the name of the song? <laughs> uh, 100 Years. By, by the Cure, by the Cure. Live in Paris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm waiting. I'm not even sorry about My this. My face is melting. I'm sorry about this. So, France decides to give a load of money, goes, we need to get this sorted out. It's killing all the cattle. Uh, and sheep, which I thought were cattle, apparently they're, is it distinguished? Distinguished? It says, it says here, it's sheep or cattle. Okay. I thought I didn't notice such a difference. Yeah, I wasn't going. Like I wasn't going fucking that far into the research. Yeah, she, yeah sheep are not cattle. I thought they were. No, I don't know. As soon as milled a lot of cattle, I think like a lot of different animals. No. Yeah, I'm stupid though. No. I thought a fucking alligator was an, a, an uh, like a big crocodile. A crocodile out of water. Yeah, but crocodiles can be bigger. Yeah. No, but I thought it was once they left the water, they became <laughs> fuck off. No, yeah. You thought like it's an alligator in the water Up until a couple of years ago. And then like, when it gets out, it becomes a crocodile. Yeah. Get the fuck out um, of here. Yeah, well, get the actual fuck. Just out of listen. Here. I'm good at some things. I might have to stop this podcast. I'm not. I'm, I'm terrible at other things. My face is sweating. <laughs> I also thought the same for tortoises and turtles. Get the fuck out of here, quick, 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 do anyway. this, quick. Before I get so, sick in my own So, they hire Louis Pasteur and his buddies. Because listen, you need to figure out a vaccine for this uh, thing. So, close to the capital of France, he starts this whole thing where he's like, let's, uh, let's take some cattle and livestock and stuff like that. And, and then, give him a cure. And give, why'd you do that? Because like, fucking everyone has been listening. No, but I just want to say it though. Go on, say it then. It's a little bit more to it. A little <laughs> bit more. To it. A little Six more extra to it. words, is that? So, he took. Two groups of 25 sheep, live sheeps, a goat and thing. But they're not and, cattle. And ultimately, he found the cure live <laughs> in Paris. He found the cure live in Paris. Okay, all right. So, <coughs> this song is played 100 years after the death of Louis Pasteur. 
almost to the year. <laughs> almost to the year. <laughs> That's why I picked a hundred years. Okay. Live in, live in. No, no good. You've got tr- well three connections: Paris, a hundred years, and the Cure. None of them are actually connections. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, obviously, yeah. students I read have it like Anthrax is caused, but you just I saw your face dropping. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. I love that. Okay. Jesus Christ. He discovered the cure live in Paris. Come on. <sighs> can't. Can't. Because it's live, because they have to I know. The vaccines I know. can save the yeah. same germs that cause the disease, yeah. so that they have to be live. Yeah. Yeah. In Paris. And they stop you being alive when you get them. Brilliant. Okay. He also uh, <laughs> he also cured rabies. He also cured rabies and uh, pasteurization is named after him. I was about to say that sounds yeah. about right. Who I'm done. <laughs> now I'm gonna fuck your last one up. What's your <laughs> you get, you, oh you uh, went circle of life. I done the circle of life on it. I went full circle. I went from the cure back to the smashing pumpkins. And believe it or not, it was fucking hard. That is mental that that was hard. Yeah. Now two big gotty guts. I guarantee you, just fucking uh, thousands of people listen to this at home who have found a different route. They know, like, oh, such and such and such and such are best friends, right? I don't fucking know that. So we had to go via. Maybe leave a comment if you want to. Yes. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about it. Okay, so Reeves Gabriels, who played. Gabriels. Gabriels, whatever. Who played in The Cure. Yeah. Was also a member of Tin Machine with David Bowie. That's right. Okay. This hurts. He was a member of Tin Machine with David Bowie. Okay. The drummer of Tin Machine, this guy called Hunt Sales. Right? He was the drummer in Tin Machine. He also played with Iggy Pop. Did he, you know? he played on a load of albums, including Lust for Life. One of the brothers. The brothers yes. of the, uh, the sales brothers. Yeah, yeah. sales brothers, yeah. <laughs> we covered Tim. Yeah, we covered Tim. So, <laughs> he played on Lust for Life, which was recorded in Hansa Studios in Berlin, which is also known as Hansa by the Wall, or Hansa at the Wall Studios in Berlin. In the same studio... Right, this is the jump. It's not that big of a jump. In the same not studio, like a, not like a hundred years of a jump. No, in the same studio, <laughs> you two recorded Actung Baby." Fair play, right? <laughs> and that album was mixed by a guy called Alan Mulder. Right, who also mixed Smashing Pumpkins, Machina, The Machines of God, Mic Drop, Kablam. Do you think that's better than my Louis Pasteur story? Absolutely, it's real. Also, it's my real. fucking real, lad. I was trying to think outside the box. Well, I wasn't. I wanted people to actually... I told you, you have to be able to make a phone call. Like, this is a new thing you just made up. I didn't even know about you were doing I this. I didn't. I would have thought that you would have assumed that it has to be based in reality and not about fucking Yeah, but how do you link people. Smashing Pumpkins to Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah, what you do is... <laughs> they are them. You close your eyes and open them again and you're still in the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> if you're Billy Corgan. And that's about it, really. <laughs> well, that was our little experiment of trying yeah. to fuck each other over. That was fun. Now we have, I think we might have a set of rules now for the next one. Oh, we have lots of rules for the next one after this. This is our little experiment. I hope you enjoyed our um, <laughs> round the world trip there. Oh, come on, Antrex. No, I can't. The, the nuclear bomb treaty. A big warm head. The nuclear bomb, no. Big warm head me. Um, Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, if you like us, throw us a few quid and pop on to patreon.com forward slash lost art podcast. Um, every, every, every penny counts. Mum's gone to Asda. <laughs> Good night.